Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we feature the second half of a panel from the Nuestras Raices Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Panza Monologues, Book Reading and Platica. The Panza Monologues feature the words of Chicanas speaking with humor and candor about their panzas. The panelists are Virginia Grease and Erma Mayorga. Welcome to the seventh annual Tucson Festival of Books. My name is Margie Farmer. Thank you for joining us today for the Panza Monologues. This is a reading and a platica by Irma Mayorga and Virginia Grice. This presentation is brought to you by Nuestros Raices, a Pima County Public Library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. The following presentation and all of those at the Pima County Public Library tent are made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Pima County Library and the University of Arizona Confluence Center for Creative Inquiry. The Ponce Monologues is an original solo performance piece based on women's stories about their panzas. <laughs> Written, compiled, and collected by Virginia and Irma and fashioned into a tour de force solo performance. The Ponce Monologues features the words of Chicanas speaking with humor and candor. Their stories boldly place the panza front and center as a symbol that reveals the lurking truths about women's thoughts, lives, loves, abuses, and living conditions. The Panza Monologues premiered in 2003 and has since been staged at colleges throughout the Southwest. From abusive relationships to being panzona, to laboring organizing, the Panza Monologues explores the connections between our bodies, our culture, and politics from a Latina feminist perspective. I'd like to introduce Irma. She is a native of San Antonio, Texas. She is a Chicana scholar, artist in theater, and an associate professor of theater at Dartmouth College. She is also a director and award-winning playwright. Throughout her career, she has worked between academic, nonprofit, and community-based sectors of the arts. She is the first Chicana playwright to receive an invitation to develop and pre present work at the O'Neill Playwrights Conference. She has received research fellowships from the Smithsonian Institute, Stanford University, Florida State University, Dartmouth College, and an Artist-in-Resident Fellowship from the Santa Fe Institute of the Arts and Williams College Bowen Dissertation Fellowship. Virginia writes plays that are set in bars without windows, barrio rooftops, and lesbian bedrooms. Her, her play, Blue, was a recipient of the Yale Drama Series Award and was recently published by the Yale University Press. In addition to showing people her panza in college cafeterias, classrooms, and conference halls, she has performed both nationally and internationally. As an activist, she has facilitated organizing efforts among women, immigrant, Chicano, working class, and queer youth. Virginia has taught writing for performance at the university level and as a public school teacher in community centers and the juvenile correction system. Please welcome our guests today. Thank you.
So how does a performance piece like the Panza Monologues, which started off as cuentos between women talking, who are doing activist work in San Antonio, how does it become a book? And um, it's very, very interesting because first I want to say that very, very few plays in the United States get published or performance pieces get published. And of that very, very few number, very, very few of those that are published are plays by women. And of that very, very few number that are by women, very, even fewer are by Latinas. So we consider this book almost like a miracle of appearance that a play in the United States, which rarely gets published, and the plays of women, which rarely get published, and the plays of Latinas, which certainly almost never get published, have made it to publication. We, um, this is actually the, if you'll notice on the cover, it's the second edition of the book. The first edition was when we premiered the work in 2004 at ALGO, which is another cultural organization in Texas, but it's in Austin. Um, and they stepped up as a producing agent and said, this work is something that really needs to be done. We want to produce it. We want to give you the whole theater that we have to help make it happen. So it world premiered. And then they asked us what else we would like. And because we knew all these facts about publishing and plays and women in the United States, we said we'd really like to see it published so that people who aren't here at the performance can see it circulate, so that people who aren't able to see the premiere can read it and have the stories. And so a small, very small feminist press named Evelyn Street Press published the first edition as a chapbook. And it um, was very tiny. It was very beautiful, um, pink and white. And we were we were so grateful to be um, published by a small feminist press that, that it was coming out both on the stage and then people could walk away with it. People always at the end of the play were like, I want, I, they would like keep their programs as souvenirs because they needed something tangible to say, I saw this, these stories got circulated, I was a witness to this. So um, we're grateful to Evelyn Street Press about that. So that was the first manifestation of its publication. Um, and again, it took women. Uh, Algo was a queer-friendly organization, and it was, took women. We had an entire uh, female backstage crew. We had an entire, uh, it's a feminist press, so it really took women pushing the work forward, other Latinas, Chicanas, and other women of color. We toured the show for about five years um, on and off. We were invited to many, many points in California. We did the show in Dallas and in Fort Worth. We were invited to college campuses, and it's uh, we're the touring team. Vicky is the performer in, in uh, we wrote it together. Vicky performs it as a solo piece. I'm the director, so it really is a synchronicity between us and a collaboration of that time to bring it. Um, when we finally, finally were ready to kind of put the, put the work down, we decided that we needed one more document about it. At the time, we thought we needed one more. So we decided to tape it before a live audience at Plaza de la Raza in LA. And it resulted in a DVD. So we have a DVD of the performance and um, not a book for here, but you can go to our website and order the DVD. Um, so you can get Vicky live in performance. And this is where we added a band of four musicians who were fabulous. When we opened at Plaza de la Raza, we did it basically to tape the show. We really wanted a live audience. And I will never forget the night that we taped. A bunch of consequences, because this is all self-produced work, a bunch of consequences aligned where we got one night to do it. And we put out flyers in the neighborhood because we just wanted an audience. And I think the Plaza seated like 200? 
250. And the night of the taping, about an hour before, there was a line snaking around the building of people trying to get in. It was a sold out house. And once the building was packed and the audience was full, people were like climbing into emergency fire exits, trying to get into the building. People were sitting in the aisles. We broke all kinds of fire codes. We all would have died if um, a fire had broken out. It was a, an audience of majority Latinos, a brown audience. And this is not a quiet audience. This was laughing, shouting at the stage, totally with us, screaming. It was fabulous. It was a fabulous, fabulous experience, which you can experience on the DVD. Um, so we were very happy to finally capture it. And again, that circulates in a way that we're like, well, if you have the script, because theater is made to be seen in the body by bodies. It's not written as literature per se. On one of our last, last kind of speaking gigs, we do something called a performed essay, which we do performances and we talk about the origin of the piece in a much longer format than like here speaking today at the festival. And we had someone, uh, it was in Austin again, Austin's been very good to us. We had someone walk up and say from UT Press, would you guys ever think, you know, because the first edition sold out, there was just no more. It got a, a limited small press run. Um, so there was no more of it there. So someone from UT Press said, you know, would you guys even think of, uh, you know, maybe UT Press could publish it? And of course, this is exactly what we were hoping. It's a larger press and it's very, again, non-traditional because it's an academic press and the academic presses don't publish plays very often. Um, and we said, yes, we jumped at the chance and we're from Texas. So it made so much sense. It was like coming home to us. We were just very honored. And one of the things we decided is that we couldn't just publish the play by itself again. There were so many people, women who had started doing it on college campuses who put together uh, performance of, uh, performances of it in answer to like their campus's production of the vagina monologues because they couldn't see themselves in the vagina monologues. And there were people who were throwing panza parties, which is where you get a group of your friends together, whatever format you want to, and you play the DVD and you have lots of good food, and then you start telling your own panza stories. So women were hosting panza parties. And we were learning about these fabulous events that were happening without us. Um, all over the country, and, and we really knew at that point that Banta Monologues had a life of her own. It was, she had really, really traveled beyond us. She didn't need us to tour or to perform it. Women were doing it on their own. We even had our first this past summer, all, you know, Banta party thrown by men who were Banta allies, who were like, the Banta's about us too. So she really has had a life of her own as we like to think about it. So when UT approached us, what we realized is most of the people who were picking up the play to teach it, um, in everything from prison to prisons to writing programs, and most of the and professors as well in, in colleges, and most of the people putting it on its feet in production, were not connected to theater. These are people, usually people of color and women, who had somehow not made it into the way of the theater departments on campus. So they were doing this on their own accord without any training. So what we decided to do when we made the book was to give you a manual and a guide, which is in here. Um, a short primer on the politics of San Antonio history so that you understood some of the kind of 
cultural injustices that we were in racial inequalities that we were talking about. Um, we also have writing exercises if you want to write your own Bansa monologues. Like, how do you do that? Because sometimes it's very scary to sit down and write your story. Um, or to imagine that your Bansa could speak, and a lot of women were using the play to conduct writing workshops in different settings. We have our autogeographies, where we describe how place and race and gender all come together in our own personal histories. And then we have a, mon a manifesto, a manifesto about how women need to make more theater, how Latinas need to make more theater, and why telling our stories on the stage is important. It speaks and makes our visibility. It makes us have bodies. It makes us have our stories be our own. Because most theater, and I'm a theater professor, most theater um, is not for people of color audiences. It's really, really, really hard to find plays that are about our stories, about any of the Latino ethnic identities in the country. So we need more Latino playwrights. We need more Latino directors, all of these things. So it is a manifesto, like how do we actually create United States theater that reflects this country and all its diverse populations. Um, and we, we propose starting with Latinos first. <laughs> so all of that is in here, and that's the book that we actually wanted to write versus just publishing a play. So it, it has just a bunch of different sections. And, and then, as scholars told us later on, uh, there's no other kind of Latino playwrights who've done that, like put all these things together, like how do you categorize that, and there's all this information. So we're like, but that's exactly what we need. So hopefully things will move forward and there will be more people putting books together like this um, about Latino theater. And we're just happy that a play that's in a book is here at the Tucson Festival of Books. Um, we couldn't be more pleased. It's like a huge hope uh, for us. Thank you. <laughs> um, which is why we can perform a lot because it started off as a play and we are theater artists who made a book. Um, and so we just want to thank everybody, not only you guys for being here and coming to this, because you have a lot of choices at this festival, as I'm realizing that many, many things you could do. Um, so you made the choice to come here, and we just thank you. You are listening to the Panza Monologues Book Reading and Platica from the 2015 Festival of Books on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. We want to read one more piece for you, and it is a piece that um, usually, again, there's, you have to imagine, there's a band on stage, and Virginia will talk about how we set this piece up. So the monologues um, range from serious topics to silly topics, to putting on your tight jeans, to abortion, to... Um, to a strike in San Antonio. And um, one of the ways that we wanted to kind of end the, the book is thinking about what are our own rituals. And as I mentioned in my autogeography, I took many, many, many trips to the curandera because my mother really did think that I was a bad child. And pobrecita, she never did cure me of my badness. <laughs> and so using that as an example, um, we thought, well, you know, if we could give brujeria to someone, who would it be? And so every performance, we would think about a different person that we thought was affecting our communities. Because ultimately, the Panza monologues is about how systems affect our bodies, right? And so one year, we did, um, we did Panza um, Brujeria to George Bush. In fact, we did Panza Brujeria many times to George Bush. We did it against uh, standardized testing. Both Irma and I were both school teachers. And one day, I calculated it literally is two, 
two, almost two years that students sit taking tests, practice tests, the practice test leading to the practice test, the actual test, that's years of instruction that they're not receiving because they're physically taking a test. So we gave Panza Brujeria to, um, to standardized testing. We gave Panza Brujeria to multiple wars. And we even <laughs> gave Panza Brujeria to Jan Brewer. As the <laughs> That's the, that is the only time I've ever been booed on stage was when I gave brujeria to Jan Brewer in California of all states and people booed me on stage. And, so, and we talk about that in the book. There's a little short um, anecdote about that moment in the book. And so that's exactly the question that we want to ask you. If you could give brujeria to anybody at this time to protect yourself from their evil wrongdoing, who would it be? Joe Say it loud. Joe Arpaio. Who else? Doug Ducey. Doug Ducey, loud. Who else? Student loans. <laughs> Student loans. Free education. Sally May. Anybody else? So I did this at Colgate University because there was a big fight with the chancellor's office. And we gave brujeria to the president of the university, and he just resigned. So, so. <laughs> this works. This works. I'm telling you. My grandmother taught me that as a people, we have enough power inside us that we could curse somebody just by the way we looked at them. So what would happen if all of us put our collective energies together to give all those people we just named and all other evil politicos, ojo, can you imagine the power? I think they'd die. That would be my panza brujeria. You see, I feel heartache in my panza. Comes from the side like a sucker punch, the kind you throw when people ain't looking causes me to bend over, grab my panza, anger, flush, cheeks, red, heartbeat fast. When this is bad, I feel it here, right here in my panza, not my heart. I feel deep within me. So when I have to send that back out into the universe, when I got to do some of that old school brujeria, you know, the kinds our grandmothers used to do, I throw them ojo from the panza. That's why you got to keep your belly button clean. You don't need no mugre up in there clouding up your vision. Keep your third eye open, mugrosa. Because sometimes you got to give panza to protect yourself. You got to give ojo to protect yourself. And when I give ojo, I reach my right hand over to my back, fingers open, palm touching skin. I send the energy from the bottom of the spine through the body and out from the depths of my panza, full moon belly. The ojo of the panza shoots the energy through my left palm facing away, and I unleash from the depths of my three pas all the fury of my grandmother, Maria de Jesus Y Cortez, curandera life healer with broken heart. So don't fuck with us, me and my ancestors, me, my ancestors, my ojo, my panza, don't with us, I. Thank 
Thank you so much. We'd like to take questions now. If you have any questions for Irma and Virginia, uh, there's a mic right here in front. Sorry about California. <laughs> that's all we're right. Not, that's all right. We're not all like that. Tucson's uh, beautiful. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that was amazing. Yes, yes. And um, also, how did you decide what stories to keep? Because you probably collected <laughs> so many stories that you have a lot of stories that didn't make it. So, and were they just um, were they just women activists, or were they women from the community, or yeah. you know how how did that come about? You go ahead. Uh, so we were working at a center, a social justice center, and you know one of the things that Ebensler does is she 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 does that gathering as many as she can. A lot of documentary theaters like that. How do we get as many as we can? How do we be as inclusive as we can? How do we get as many different perspectives as we can? Um, we actually weren't that interested in that. We were talking to our comadres. We were talking to our homies and was like, girl, I used to be a size nine, now I'm a size 24, what happened? Like that was the conversation, right? And we were doing it as we were doing organizing work. So all of us were organizers. And we had a table like this, a huge table, right? We would have about 30 minutes to eat lunch because we often worked 80 hour weeks. And so in between the french fries, we would just cut up and act out and be wrong. And then we started to think like, no, this actually means something. The panza means something. And so the, the stories that we gathered were all from women that we worked with on a daily basis. Some of whom who were too scared to write. And so we did interviews and based it on the interviews. Uh, some of whom had Ivy League educations, you know, some of whom were very young, some of whom were 75 years old. But we were all Chicanas, some of us were queer, some of us were straight. We were all Chicanas or Mexicanas, and we were all doing organizing work in a city that we felt was ours. And so when we talked about the panza, we had to talk about San Antonio, and we had to talk about what does it mean that I could not find fresh fruit and vegetables in my neighborhood? What does it mean that I was working for social justice, and yet I was working, on average, regular 80 hours a week and didn't have enough time to prepare meals and take care of my bodies? And so one of the questions that one of the labor organizers asks is if our body breaks down, then how are we going to do all this work? And I think that that's what the piece was about. Um, the first edition book has all of the stories. So if you got a first edition book, you're doing real good. Hold on to it tight. <laughs> this book we arrived at after doing a lot of readings, um, performances, and we could see like what was the arc of it. You know, when did things need to be taken out? Irma dramaturged the piece, uh, as well as writing it. And dramaturgy means that she basically created the, the arc of the show to make sure that we're all in flow. And sometimes we literally cut pieces because I couldn't do them. So it wasn't even that the piece wasn't a great piece. I, I, I'm just not very coordinated. And so I'd like, you know, and then she's like, no, that one's cut, you know? So that's how we arrived at some of them. Since nobody has questions, I'm sure you would all like to hear another monologue. Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, we don't have the scripted, but we do have, um, we're going to switch back and forth so you'll see us signal each other. Um, so this is the opening of the show, and it kind of explains about Banza. There's audience participation, so we expect you to participate. When we call upon you, you will be signaled. Um, so this is, imagine again, there's music playing. There's a big altar on stage. There is a stool in front of the altar. The music plays, and La Vicky comes, and she sits with a huge flourish 
on the altar. And I'm gonna start, and then you can uh, pick up with stories about the women. So it begins, the play. There once was this play, this really quite interesting play. It was this play about women. Well, not just anything about women, but about them in a specific way. It described all these women from different places, different groups, different races, different ages, with different boyfriends and girlfriends and lovers who were both boys and girls, and it told stories. Stories about these women that described them in a specific way. The play was about their vaginas, but vagina is not what I call it. I call it my cha-cha. Translation, recoding. Sometimes translation makes all the difference in the world. Just listen, vagina, cha-cha, vagina, cha-cha. One has music. The other sounds like sandpaper. But what does women's play said once and again, once again, as so many great women have said over and over, is that we are in a war, a war for our own bodies. And we came up with this language 10 years ago before now you hear about the war on women. This was us thinking 10 years ago. So we've had a long war here. And in the war of our bodies, it became clear to me that before you can get to the battle of the chocha, we have another score to settle, another place on our beautiful bodies to baptize, actualize, a place that has been demonized, sterilized, starved, stuffed, covered over. In fact, we've been encouraged, are commanded, are scared into actually getting rid of it. Before I can talk about the cha-cha, I need to tell the story of us. Who's us? We are the ones who carry the sun in our skin, brown like almonds, or café con leche, color de la tierra. Tú sabes, the us that uses the word cha-cha, panocha. But you see, the story of us is not just cha-cha. It's panza. Si, panza. Now you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Don't you? Now come on. Andale. Say it with us together. We're all going to say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Panza. I know that when I talked to my homegirls, they weren't all spilling over stories about their chocha. There we'd be with big plates of fideo, or pan dulce, or menudo, or tripas, sea island, el camarón pelado, China Sea Buffet, lubies, and we'd all be telling the stories of our panzas. And I thought, we got to hear the story of the panza. And so I listened. With my heart in my hands, I listened as women told me about the life of their panzas. Panzas were crying out everywhere, tell my story. Now someone's panza is a sacred story, and to share it is to, sh is, is to tell, them about the, tell people about the conditions of your life, because the panza does have an ego. Every time your panza pooches out from behind that long sweater you try to put on, or when you're walking by a place of glass, turn, look, and it's flashing its big panza, I'm here, lonja, roll back at you, that's it. That's its ego. Because society has told it again and again, you're bad, bad panza, go away. The panza, it knows in its own way. It knows about us, about you. But the panza also knows that it ain't alone in the middle of us, that it needs the legs to walk, the arms to carry it, the mouth to feed it, and the heart to excite it. And when you listen to the panzas of all the mujeres out there, you can hear the world according to women. That's, That's the, the power, power of, of a panza story. story. You've been listening to the second half of a panel discussion from the Nuestras Raices Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Panza Monologues, Book Reading and Platica. The Panza Monologues feature the words of Chicanas speaking with humor and candor about their panzas. The panelists are Virginia Gris and Erma Mayorga. 
Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager.